0: is god's grace made evident and obvious people matter life is sacred men women and children are worth the greatest sacrifice the supreme effort the ultimate gift i um was playing hide and go seek with my three or four year old he turned four last week forgive me uh and so I was playing hide-go-seek and this week with my four-year-old son, Dex, and uh, we have a great time. And so I go, first question I ask him, I said, Dex, do you want Daddy to hide or do you want Dexie to hide? And he says, I want Daddy to hide. And I go, okay. So I start walking away, and he goes, hide behind the curtain, and I go, son, that's not how you play the game, and, and, and I go, okay, go sit over there and count, and he goes, hide behind the curtain. And I go, okay, we'll see, we'll see. And so then he gets on the couch, and he closes his eyes. He starts to count, and I hide behind the curtain. And and then he says, eight, nine, ten, here or not, here I come. (laughs) Son, that's incorrect, okay? Uh, And so then he immediately, as soon as he says, here or not, here I come, he walks directly to the curtain, right? Makes eye contact with me. He smiles so big, okay, and then goes looking elsewhere, (laughs) looks under the table, he's looking on the stairs, he opens the pantry, and he goes, no, he's not here, opens the refrigerator, he's not here, where are you, dad? And then the look of joy and his biggest smile ever when he opens up the curtain, and he looks at me, and I go, you found me, and he's like, there you are, dad, and then he goes, let's do it again, let's do it again, and we just play again and again and again. For Dex, the joy is not in playing the game correctly. The joy is in playing with his dad. The joy is not in the game. The joy is in the person. It has been and will always forever be, be about people. People matter. Life is sacred. Men, women, and children are worth the greatest sacrifice, the supreme effort, the ultimate gift. Our fourth core value is belonging. And in this one word, we're trying to say a lot of things. We're trying to say that you belong before you believe. We're trying to say that every person matters. So this morning, we're going to flesh this out a bit more, and we'll dive into some of the hindrances uh, that we run into that kind of keep us from living this way all the time. And let's start with a game. Everybody loves Everybody loves a game. This game's called Describe a Human, okay? So you say yes. I'm going to read a phrase, a, a word, and then you just say yes. Or no, if it describes a human, okay? Any human in general, okay? Rational, yes, okay? Irrational, okay? Civil, yes? Savage, okay? Friendly, hostile, peaceful, violent. You guys know these are opposites, right? Okay. Creative, destructive, honest, deceptive. You're catching on. (laughs) Humanity is the species that shows us the beautiful image of God and also shows us its opposite, right? You are image bearers of the divine, but we're broken. We're not fully living out the image, the call to be the image bearers we're supposed to be. There's this movie, um, called The Purge. Okay, really, really cool concept. It's a scary movie, so I'm not recommending it. But basically, there's a 12 hour period each calendar year where all emergency services are suspended. And it's this scary movie. And what if the external restraints of society, law enforcement, emergency services, were removed? How would you behave? Would you be a good neighbor? Or would we break the law? This actually happened October 17th, 1969 in Montreal, Canada. It's known as Black Tuesday. This is where the Canadian police force and emergency services went on strike. 16 hours, no police, no fire department. Um, They went on strike at 8 in the morning, and the day just went on just like any other day but they had a a lot more bank robberies. And then in the evening, things just got a lot worse. There's this limousine company that was mad at this cab company for getting this airport contract. So the limousine contract company went over to the cab company, torched all their cars. No police, no firefighters. Just burned it in vengeance. People who would normally not take part in criminal activity are now uh, running off with TVs and breaking windows and rioting. Humanity is that species that shows us the beautiful image of God and also its opposite. Believe it or not, you are a divine image bearer, okay? You're an image bearer of the divine. You you can put that on your job description, okay? Your job applications. But we're broken, and we mess up, and we see other people mess up all the time. Point number one in your notes is this. We're together and not having it together. We are together in not having it together. That's the church. None of us have it together. If you find the church where everyone has it together, don't go there because you'll ruin it, okay? (laughs) None of us have it together. There's no such thing as a perfect church because there's no such thing as perfect people. Romans 3 says this, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. We talked about that last week. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We're all messed up. Now, we may put on our Sunday best. We may paint our faces. But at the end of the day, every single one of us has struggles. Every one of us has shortcomings. Every one of us has failures. Every one of us has sin. Sin is a very religious word that carries a lot of baggage with it. It, it originally means to miss the mark. It's, it's an archery term. You're aiming for a target, but you miss the mark. That's sin. And it separates us from each other, and it separates us from God. And Jesus saves us from the sin and its destructive consequences. But one problem is that when we begin to look at um, other sins, other people's sins, we judge that. Uh, If it's an archery term, picture yourself like at a camp, or like, I don't know, like a Boy Scout camp, or some kind of camp where your whole— class, your field trip, is have, you know, shooting archery, shooting arrows um, at these targets. And everyone lines up, and the teacher says, ready, aim. Everyone pulls the arrow back, fire. And you miss yours to the right, but the person next to you misses to the left. And then you just start railing on them. Hey, everybody, dude right here just missed to the left. Oh my gosh. I, can you believe this guy? He missed to the left, lefty, hefty lefty. That's what hefty lefty this guy. And you start making fun of him. It would be ludicrous, right? Just because you miss to the right, we're all missing the mark. We're all sinners. F. B. Meyer once said that when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are three things we don't know. Number one, we don't know how hard he or she tried not to sin. Second, we don't know the power of the forces that assailed him or her, and third, we also don't know what we would have done in the same circumstances. Don't judge them, love them. Pray for them. When you are, something fascinating happens when you're praying for someone. You begin to actually love them. It's an, it's an incredible thing. I don't like this person, and then I start praying God's blessings over them, and at first, it's so hard because I don't like them, and so much of me despises that person. But as I begin to pray and go to God Most High and pray for this person, as Jesus tells us to, to pray for those who persecute you, to love your enemies, I began to feel and experience genuine love for that person, it makes you less selfish. When you pray for someone else, it makes you more loving. Who can you pray for this week? Is it a coworker? Is it a boss? Is it a family member, a friend? Rather than focusing on their sin, could you pray for them and then ra- and find ways to sacrificially love them in all their mess. This is what the church does. When you are part of a community of faith, uh, moving towards Jesus, loving like Jesus, it changes us. It helps us become better image bearers of the divine. Last week I called this weeness. Okay, there's a weeness to us as Christians. We need each other. The New Testament calls it many other different things. One of the ways we could say this is the one others. There are many one others in the New Testament. Here's a few: love one another. Accept one another. Serve one another. Teach one another. Encourage one another. Bear one another's burdens. And there are many more. I'd love to do a whole sermon series on this perhaps another day, but this one-anotherness, this we-ness has been at the heart of the Jesus movement from the very beginning. Together, us, more than one. You're not here alone. You're not here by yourself. Look at what an ancient non-Christian Greek philosopher said about Christians. He was sent on assignment to go and explain to the emperor Hadrian uh, what Christians are all about. And so he goes to study them. And this is what he says to the emperor, speaking of normal Christians. He who has gives to him who has not without grudging. When one of their poor passes away from the world and any of them sees him, Then he provides for his burial according to his ability. If they hear that any of their number is imprisoned or oppressed for the name of their Messiah, all of them provide for his needs, and if it is possible that he may be delivered, they will deliver him. If there is among them a man that is poor or needy, and they have not an abundance of necessities, they fast two or three days that they may supply the needy with the necessary food. That sounds like weeness to me, okay? That sounds like a togetherness that the Bible calls us to. As followers of Jesus. And, it, and if we move towards Jesus together, we just might have more things together. We're together and not having it together. Number two, everyone belongs. It's not behave, believe, belong. It's belong, believe, be changed. Belong, believe, be changed. Everyone belongs. Come as you are. Sometimes in church, before you are accepted, you have to behave, you have to clean yourself up, you have to hide all your failures, struggles, and faults. That's not the gospel. The gospel is bigger and better than that. You belong before you believe. It's not, once you behave and look clean and get yourself together, then you can be one of us, then and only then can you be really one of us. No, you belong before you believe. I uh, was a youth pastor for 11 years, and there's this, this kid in our youth ministry named Dustin. And Dustin didn't have an awesome, uh, easy, cozy upbringing. He had it a bit rough. And he and his friends, um, they were nicknamed by some of the people in our church as the naughty kids. And these naughty kids would show up to our church and they would, they would hang out in the parking lot and they would reek of smoke and cuss. And then uh, once we started our youth ministry— like, we're like, all right, guys, let's start the youth group. The, we meet upstairs, and, like, they'd go, nah, we're good. And so we're like, hey, you guys want to come up? And they're like, no. And so we kind of went the other way with that. We're like, okay, they don't want to come upstairs. Why don't we send some of our staff guys and girls down and, like, build, like, skate ramps and stuff and, like, and just let them be separate and just hang out down there, and we can, like, just love on them. And it was awesome. It was awesome. So Dustin and his friends are coming and hanging out. Um, and... This one And it was amazing, but we were getting some pushback from some of the Christians. Oh, hey, it's, it's not safe to have them around church. And I'm like, safe? No, but it's good, and it's gospel. And so I remember this one particular time. I'm, I, I'm walking through the church courtyard, going back upstairs near the end of youth, and a choir member uh, walks right up to me after Dustin had walked upstairs. And she goes, Pastor John, Pastor John, I just heard that guy cuss, and he smells like smoke. And I immediately say, isn't that awesome that a guy like that feels accepted and loved in our church? And she said, no, it's not. That's not the kind of people we want. And then I said, with not a lot of tact, in hindsight, it may not have been the right thing to say at the (laughs) moment— But I looked at her right in the eyes and I said, you know, it's real sad when a Christian can't walk past a non-Christian on their way to choir practice. And I walked back upstairs. Everyone belongs. You belong before you believe. Acceptance leads to transformation. Look at Jesus, his life. He's hanging out with sinners, tax collectors, uh, drunks. Jesus was accused of being a sinner and a drunk. Why? Because he hung out with them. John 8 says this. This is beautiful. Familiar story. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them, as he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his fingers. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. The story is simple, and it's beautiful. As the narrator tells us, it reeks of a setup. They're trying to trap Jesus, and actually their plan is brilliant. If Jesus says, stone her, then they would immediately take him to the Roman guard and say, this person demanded it execution when Rome is the only person who is able to do executions so he'd be tried for treason. And if he says, don't stone her, they would say, Moses says you stone her so you don't obey the law. They would take him then to the uh, Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, and he would be tried as a heretic. It's a lose-lose situation for Jesus. It's a perfect trap. He's stuck between a rock and a hard place. The trap is brilliant, but Jesus is brillianter, okay? (laughs) Just like my grammar, (laughs) In the middle of their plan to discredit Jesus, they, they, they use this woman. After all, where's the guy? It takes two for adultery, at least. You can have more, but you can't have less than two. The man's gone. Maybe he was a, a religious leader himself. Maybe it was all just a setup to use this woman as a pawn to trap Jesus. The religious people used this woman to hurt Jesus, and Jesus here refuses to let her be used. They don't care about this woman at all. Jesus removes all of her accusers. Number three in your notes is this, everyone matters, everyone has value. Everyone matters, everyone has value, everyone. When I'd grown up, my brother and I, we used to play a lot of different board games together. We used to play chess, okay? It's a fun game. Some of you guys familiar with chess. Uh, on the board, all the pieces have their certain roles, right? You have the rooks and the bishops They're a little bit stronger. The, the rooks can go uh, straight or diagonal uh, across as many spaces as they want. The knights do this little L. Uh, the bishops can go diagonal in, any, in either direction. The most powerful piece on the board, of course, is the queen. The queen can do whatever she wants. Okay, it's a lot like my house and Sarah. Um the queen does whatever she wants. Um then the very small pieces in the beginning, right, in the front, they're called pawns. And they're only useful to uh for the bigger pieces to get what they want. If someone loses a pawn, you sacrifice it to get something better. It's not a great loss. In chess, if you lose a pawn, it, there's no great loss. In John chapter 8, we discover that for Jesus, there is no such thing as no great loss. Everybody matters. The religious leaders are using this woman as a pawn in a chess match with Jesus, but Jesus says no one can be sacrificed. Every person matters. The earth shattering truth here is the guilty matter, The, the guilty are loved. The God of the universe is in love with shameful people. That's the scandalous nature of this parable, this story. I was at the movie theater not too long ago, and Sarah and I go see the movies. Um, you know, we try and go a lot more, but we have kids, and it's a little bit tougher now. We used to go all the time. I remember this one particular time I'm getting in line. Sarah's got, the, got our seats saved, and we're, she's saving the seat. She's watching the trailers, and I'm in line to get Milk Duds, okay? Massive Milk Dud fans. So the line moves fairly quickly and then I get to this, I'm second in line. There's one guy ahead of me and he's ordering and he's looking at his phone. He's kind of doing this text message thing and then I can't hear what they're saying. They kind of got a little barrier between us but then uh, the, the girl like pulls out like milk duds or something and shows it to him. He like looks at it, looks at like the expiration date, gives it back to her and he's kind of doing this thing and I'm like, dude, <laughs> let's go. And so I'm not, a jerk, okay? I'm not going to say something to the guy. I'm going to show him that I disapprove <laughs> by my breathing and by my posture, right? So you do this. <sighs> and you you shift your weight. <sighs> okay? And the guy's taking forever, which is probably like Two minutes, okay? But it's forever. I'm so angry with this guy. Checking his, I mean, he was texting, but he wasn't like one of the fast texters. He wasn't like this. He was like, like some of you, I've seen you text. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, let's go, let's go. The duds are calling my name. So I finally get the duds. I go sit in the theater, and I'm like, here's the baby. Let's eat, okay, drinks, here we go. Movie's getting ready to start. Someone puts their foot on the back of my chair. I know, I know. (laughs) Remember what I said earlier? I'm a nice guy. I'm not going to say something, but I'm going to show him my disapproval by what I do, right? So he he puts his foot on the chair. I do the, you know, like, hey, you're bothering me, okay? And then he kind of moves it again. And so now I kind of look like I want to see who it is, right? I want to see who it is, but I don't want him to know that I'm just looking backwards to see him. So I got to pretend like I got a friend back there or something. So he hits my chair and I go like this. Uh, You know, like I'm looking for a buddy, but I'm really looking at him. And guess who it was? Totally different guy. I wish I could say, (laughs) wish I could say it was the same guy, but it wasn't. Okay, it was somebody different. But I found out who that guy was. I do the look and lean, like, come on, dude. All these are subtle ways for me to communicate to this guy, hey, inconsiderate jerk, stop kicking my chair. People are frustrating, amen? People are annoying, right? This seems like a strange note to call up the worship band, but I'm going to call Stephen the worship band up. And let's rewind this a little bit. Let's rewind. Imagine yourself waiting in line for your milk duds. The guy in front of you is taking forever. You don't know who this man is. He's just a nuisance. Now imagine what happens to you and your posture and your attitude towards this person once you know something about him. Imagine that you learned that this man is texting his younger brother who just got released from the hospital. And his younger brother said to his big brother, the only thing I want to do on my first night out of the hospital is I want to go see Spider-Man Homecoming with my big brother. And so big brother says, go save the seats, and I'll be right here, and I'm going to get all the best candy they have. And they had bad candy at the hospital all the months that he was there, and so brother is checking each expiration date to get the best candy he can for his little brother. He inspects each one, making sure they're fresh, because he wants this night to be perfect for his little bro. Or imagine that this man's texting a woman. They've known each other for 15 years. They kind of liked each other on and off, more from a distance. They went to school together. But in college, they went their separate ways. They began to date other people. And 10 years goes by, and they run into each other. And then they kind of re- start to correspond. They're living in different cities three hours away. They don't see each other very often, and they're both in relationship. So they, they, uh, the relationships are a little bit rocky, and they begin to tell each other that th- those relationships ended. So then they begin to, like, start writing letters, not emails, but old school, pen to paper, legit letters. And they write letters back and forth, multiple letters every single week, and they read them and they rip it open, and they decide that after a year, if they're not with anybody else, that they'll move to the same city and be together. And they begin to fall in love with this letter correspondence with one another. And now the year is up. She has come to visit him, and they're on their first official date, and he has a diamond ring in his pocket and he wants to put the ring inside the Milk Duds, because that's her favorite candy. And he's texting her, and he's texting the the people that he's got uh, filming this, filming her in the theater. She doesn't know anything. You're there in line. Only now you know history, you know background, you know context. This guy's working hard at texting, picking out the right everything. Now the scene is electric for you, right? Now you're watching with anticipation, with joy. What? He used to be a nuisance, but now that he has a story, now that he has a name, now that he is a person, it's electric. Things change. Everybody matters. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a name. This man is no longer a nuisance, no longer an inconvenience, no longer a pawn that I can say, get out of my way while I get my candy. This person has a story. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as followers of Jesus, is that everyone matters. Everyone has unsurpassable worth and was worth Jesus dying for, whether you like them or not. As I was typing this part of my sermon, I was at Teaser's Tea House on Olive Avenue and Tower and I'm facing Olive Avenue, typing this, just going, yes, it's speaking to me. (laughs) Guy shows up, tattered and torn to the window, and the window's a little bit reflective, right in front of me. Looks like he's staring at me, but he's looking at himself in his own reflection, 10 feet away. And so I'm typing this part, and I look at him. He's got a pack of Swisher Sweets in his hand. And he's tattered and torn. And he's just kind of looking at himself. And I I didn't do anything. I just lowered my head and I started crying. That guy matters. What was I what could I do? What should I have done? I don't know. I just wept because I know that that person is a child of God that that person has value, that that person matters. The person you, your waiter at lunch today, isn't just someone to provide a transaction for you. That's a daughter of God. And they have ultimate value and worth. They belong. They're dearly loved by God. We want to play a a short video, and you guys can remain seated as the band begins to sing. This video just really shares with us that everybody matters. And may the Spirit of the living God stir something anew in you as we watch, as we listen, as we hear the voice of God teaching us, leading us, and as we sing. Go ahead. Let us be aware of your presence moving among us, amidst us, not just in us, but in them, in other people. May we be able to see that, God. May we be able to move with your spirit, God. May we treat people with ultimate value. And rather than judge... May we say that person has infinite value and was worth Jesus dying for. May we live that way. May we love that way. God, we need your spirit to do this in us. God, we are divine image bearers, but we're broken. Spirit, mend us. Spirit, move us. Spirit, fill us. So that we can pour you out to a world that so desperately needs you. God, let us be a place where everyone belongs, where everyone matters. Everyone has infinite value that we love rather than judge. God, let us be more known for foot washing than sin bashing. We need your spirit for this, God. We're broken. We mess up. Help us, God. Help us do this together. Let us be a church of weeness. We love you, Jesus. We ask for more, more. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God.